My name's Anne Cleves. I'm a crime writer, the creator of Vera Shetland and the Long Call. The RNLI saved my husband's life. We had more than 30 more years happy, adventurous times together that I wouldn't have had if the RNLI hadn't been there. When we were first married, my husband and I lived on a tiny tidal island, a nature reserve called Hilbury. And it was in the D estuary between the Wirral and North Wales. And at that point, it was quite hard to get messages directly from Formby, the Coast Guard headquarters, out to the inshore lifeboat. So Tim and I were both auxiliary Coast Guards. And so we, we got to know the, the lifeboat crew and the Coast Guards quite quite well. I was working at the time, I was a probation officer, so I had this strange existence where I'd walk out in front of the tide in my oilskin and wellies, and I had a little hut on West Kirby Prom where I'd keep my, my work clothes and I'd come out transformed, ready for work. And I was working in Birkenhead Magistrates Court and got a message from the clerk to the justices that there was a phone call from me and that it was the Coast Guard, which seemed a bit odd, but the clerk to the justices was always taking the mick a bit about where I lived, so I wasn't entirely sure whether it was a joke or not. But it wasn't, it was the Coast Guard, who was called Peter May, I think. And he said that Tim had been in a bit of a bother, but he was fine and I wasn't to worry. It turned out that the bit of the bother that Tim had been in was that He'd gone out to one of the smaller islands with a bird-watching friend to ring some waders. Completely reckless, um, the boat that they'd used was an old canoe. It wasn't very far, it was only a few yards, but the boat sank almost as soon as they set off. And they were the tide was so strong they were swept out into the Irish Sea. They were so lucky uh, because there happened to be somebody on the island stranded with the tide. He was. Uh, Alan was a former merchant seaman, so he knew exactly what to do. He saw them, that they were in difficulty. He went into our house, which was never locked, called 999, asked for the Coast Guard. The inshore lifeboat was already out on exercise, so they were already launched. And he went, he broke into the Coast Guard lookout, found some flares there. And I think just before he lost consciousness, Tim was aware of the, the little flecks of light falling all around him. Because they were so low in the water and it was a tiny inshore lifeboat, the crew were having real problems seeing them in the sea, in the water. And they were picked up and they were saved, but they were so lucky. The tides there are so strong and they were being, being swept out to sea. So yes, we were forever grateful to the lifeboat crew we made a donation to the RNLI and I've tried to support them ever since. I make regular donations every month to them. And that's the story really. And they were taken to, to the local hospital and they were wrapped up in silver blankets. They were both hypothermic, but both survived their ordeal. Tim never went out ringing birds in a boat again. I was pregnant not much long later and the lifeboat crew did come and have a chat to me and said please could I go off to the mainland a few weeks before the baby was due because they didn't really want another call out to Hilbury to, to take me into hospital if labour should start. So.
My latest novel, The Raging Storm, starts with an adventurer turning up in a not very fashionable seaside village called Greystone, which I think is partly based on somewhere like Heartland Quay. So grey, granite, no beach, almost industrial in feel, the, the village that I've created. I didn't want it to be a place where tourists would naturally go. And suddenly in blows in Jem Roscoe, who's a round-the-world sailor. He's a television celebrity. He's taken camera crew on expeditions up the Amazon. But he's a local man. And nobody's quite sure what he's doing in the village. Everybody's very intrigued. And then as soon as he's, almost as soon as he's come, he disappears and nobody knows where he's gone or what's happened to him. He's found a little while later in a, in a dinghy, anchored in a bay, and he's found by the lifeboat crew who've been called out on a hoax call. And I suppose I wanted the lifeboat to feature quite predominantly because it's my sense that it is, in some small communities, it's very much an important part of the community. And lots of different people are involved with it, either as volunteers or lifeboat operations manager or fundraisers. And it seemed a good way of bringing lots of different people together. And when I decided that I wanted to explore that, I got in touch with my local lifeboat. I think I put a message out on Twitter saying, anybody work at Colour of Coats Lifeboat, can you get in touch? So I, yeah, I had a number of uh, emails from people saying, you need to talk to Anna, Anna Heslop. She's a young woman and she's now the helm of Colour Coats Lifeboat. So I tracked her down met her, we chatted, she was brilliant. She took me into the lifeboat station, explained what would happen if they had a shout, how it was work, what they would wear. And it, if you're writing, it's the small details, I think, that bring a scene to life. So yeah, these are our waterproofs. They say they're waterproof. Always somehow you manage to get some water through. That sort of thing, I think, makes, makes things really seem authentic. And those are the details that I needed, and she was absolutely brilliant. I grew up in North Devon, uh, which is where the Matthew Venn books are set. And we wanted, when we, when we um, launched the paperback of the most recent Matthew Venn book, which was called The Heron's Cry, we wanted to do it somewhere in North Devon and the Landmark Theatre in Ilfracombe is a, is a terrific building. And we wanted to, to, to raise a bit of money while we were doing it. So we worked with the, the Ilfracombe RLNI and they were brilliant. They came and came as volunteers to show people to their seats and they were there when we did the, the event. I was there chatting to uh, the producer of the, the TV series, the Long Call TV series. Um, and so, so lots of local people were interested because they'd seen the filming taking place in Ilfraku. But it was, it was the day of a huge storm. I can't remember what storm it was. It was Arwen, I think, but everywhere was shut down. We couldn't get trains down to Ilfraku. There were 
huge trees across the motorways, lorries were tipped up. The trains weren't working, so I got uh, a driver to take me down to Ilfracombe, and we battled through the storm, and he was just amazing, Steve, local guy that I know very well. And we got there, and Emma, my publicist, did the same with the producer. She brought her across in a car, and we didn't think anybody would turn up. Ilfracombe was pretty well shut down, a storm was blowing, the, the, it was a high tide as well, so there was floods. But in the end, we packed that theatre, everybody turned out, and down a lot, I think, to the lifeboat volunteers who wanted to get their, their supporters out to help. The RNLI is a wonderful organisation run predominantly by volunteers. Do go and help yourself because there's always something that you could do. Hello, this is Seth Lakeman. You've been listening to the RNLI's 200 Voices Collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org slash 200 Voices or subscribe to RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Two Hundred Voices is produced for the RNLI by Adventurous Audio Limited. Mm -hmm.